Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. I'm the Grand Lord now. So the episode starts off where Fennec carries her prisoner in from the last episode. This prisoner is questioned, threatened, and then they bring them into the mayor because the prisoner indeed says the mayor was the one who hired me after they threatened to bring him to the Rancor. Uh, the mayor denies any wrongdoing, uh, kills the prisoner, uh, and offers kind of Boba advice about being this new daimyo on Tatooine. Uh, the mayor then sends Boba to uh, Garza, who tells him that the twins, uh, cousins of Jabba, uh, are trying to lay claim for the territory. Uh, they arrive with their litter. There's kind of a street standoff uh, where the huts threaten Boba, Boba threatens them back, nothing happens, uh, and then the huts leave. Uh, after that, Boba is back in a back to tank and we flash back to his time with the Tuscans. Uh, he's gained respect from them. He's no longer a prisoner. He's learning how to become a warrior. He's training with their chief warrior or their head warrior. Uh, on how to fight with the gaffy stick in particular. Uh, a train comes by, shoots at the camp, uh, and then Boba isn't happy about this. And so he gets a stick and a rifle uh, and goes to Tashi Station to beat up a gang. Uh, and while there, uh, he steals their speeder bikes, brings them back to the Tuscans so that they can kind of have a, a giant train heist to then protect themselves and, and figure out what the hell's going on. So after montages of Boba, uh, teaching the Tuscans uh, how to ride these speeder bikes. Uh, they execute their train heist, stop the train, uh, and are able to uh, walk out all of the Pike Syndicate, who are essentially spice runners uh, and have only been just shooting at the camp to protect their turf. Uh, Boba strikes a deal with them that they need to pay a toll. Boba is welcomed further into the Tuscan tribe for being their savior here. Uh, they give him some like a lizard that goes up his nose. He goes on a drug trip. Uh, he gets the materials to make his own gaffy stick. They get him a cloak as well. Uh, and the episode ends off with Boba doing uh, a ceremonial uh, tribal dance and ritual, showing that he's fully embraced the culture and ultimately allows us to now understand that this is a totally different Boba Fett from the Boba Fett of the original trilogy. He has grown significantly as a, as a person in this time period. Uh, and thus we ne don't necessarily know everything about him moving forward. So that's interesting. Yeah. And by the way, like an entirely different Tuscan culture than we've ever experienced before. I, I found Absolutely. I found it really uh, jarring at first. And then and maybe I'm, I'm late to, to pick up on this, but suddenly all at once. And I guess it was when the, the Spice Runner uh, train standoff uh, concluded. And in particular with that line about how. Buddy thought it was fine because they thought it was nothing more than uh, uncivilized raiders in these parts. I realized, oh, we're doing an allegory for the redemption of indigenous people. That's what this whole story is. Throw in the fact also that Tamara Morrison is, is Maori and suddenly this is a tremendous... Uh, a tremendous story to tell, an important story, a story, frankly, that I'm a little surprised and proud of Star Wars and Lucasfilm for deciding to tell now at this time. The only part I'm a little lost in is that Tuscans have a history within this franchise of literally being a thing that they're trying to now redefine. And that's going to be a little complex because I don't know if we should be expected to recontextualize every Tuscan interaction we've ever experienced in Star Wars. Is this tribe different from other Tuscans or are they just being uh, illustrated differently? 
I don't think that they are any different. And I think the uh, episodes with the Tuscans and the Mandalorian were the first stepping stones in particular for this, uh, in showing them in particular in kind of an Aboriginal uh, comparison. And so one thing that I think is really, uh, I guess, kind of well done is they're not straying too far away from the brutality. This is not a, a direct comparison. These no. are not... Um, like they are uh, in a, in a, their own way civilized, um, but this is a culture that, at the start, kidnapped Boba Fett. Yes. they still they they still straight up kidnap Boba Fett, uh, and they only deem him worthy of not being a slave when he slays a giant beast. Uh, Shmi was beaten of some sort, um, and. In general, the relationship between uh, Mos Pelgo and the Tuscans uh, wasn't good, but it was mostly just because of a, of a misunderstanding. And that one was one where they were able to find kind of mutual ground as well. And so the Tuscans are misunderstood. I think that that's a, a very, very clear distinction that they're trying to show. Uh, and they're also trying to show that, yes, not all Tuscans are the same as well. Uh, there was clearly uh, a different tribe. And you'll notice in particular the way that the women and the children dress. Uh, the women and the children in the camp that Anakin slaughtered dress entirely differently, entirely differently. Uh, and so that right then and there uh, goes to show that these have some different uh, cultural twist. And maybe there are certain groups of Tuscans who... I don't know, maybe, maybe they were in more oppressed areas and have become more extreme in their uh, kind of behaviors, or, or maybe they have just become more extreme the same way that Saw Gerrera was a rebel and right. became more extreme and took it too far. And so I think that's maybe a bit more of a, a, a actually, that, that does maybe make a lot of sense that a lot of those Tuscan tribes could be viewed as some are different parts of, they're like rebellion pockets, and some of them have a... A process of pacifism like Mon Mothma uh, and some of them maybe are a little bit more willing to go to war uh, but are very level-headed like Leia and maybe some are a little too let's just beat people up like Saw Gerrera. and so but it goes to show don't jump to any conclusion for sure. No and I don't know if we're going so far as to say that this is like a, a land reclamation story and they're they're just mm. like defending themselves because as you said like they and I, when I say they, I mean Tuscans in like the Star Wars franchise history have been the aggressor very often. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see where they go as they continue to build the the backstory for this particular sect of the Tuscan Raiders that Boba Fett uh, interacts with, and maybe they too learn some civility from him as well. But uh, I, th I think, I think it's important to say that it is more than just that they have some kind of uh, unity amongst themselves, some kind of civility amongst themselves. They also have like religion and they have uh, rituals and clearly there's a meaning to their gaffy sticks. It's not just a baton. There is, there is something sacred about their practices and it'd be interesting to see how Boba Fett interprets that into this crime lord that he's going on to be because like, he still kind of is operating from his own ethical compass later on in the later timeline when we see him in, well, the crime lord timeline. So I'm not really sure mm. what how that history with the Tuscans is informing the current character. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, that's actually, that's a really good point. And it is because like there is the great line of, well, if he's not going to speak, he no longer needs his head. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty ruthless. Yep. Um, so I don't, and, and I think this goes to show that there was a little bit of a ruthless nature from this Tuscan tribe as well. And that maybe the Tuscans are the perfect group to have kind of adopted Boba in that way because they're similar, but they have a code. Whereas Boba maybe was ruthless before, but missing that code. Yeah. And so maybe that's what we're going to see. And I, I may, and I, I said some things a little bit before about how Fennec's past show her with a bit of a lighter heart. Um, but then again, Fennec is the one who's also kind of pushing Boba to be a little bit more extreme in a couple of cases. And there was a really great uh, interview with Tamora Morrison. He's doing a bunch right now and he's easy to give little tidbits away. And so their relationship will be challenged. Uh, they won't like, I am confident that they will end up on the same terms based on the way he spoke. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it will be uh, a big, huge betrayal of any sorts, but I think there will be strain. And I think now that maybe that's actually going to come from the other way of Boba having a code that maybe Fennec doesn't. Maybe. Okay. And that actually may be the fact that Boba doesn't want to be carried around in this litter as much that maybe that's something to consider uh, as a bit of an angle that Boba is maybe coming from a little bit of a moral high ground in this underworld. And that's a bit of a surprise. Um, but then again, Mok Shais seem to have a lot of interesting advice for him too. Uh, so it remains to be seen as to whether or not he even has the, the tools to be a crime lord. Well, just the fact that he wants to run Tatooine like a business, that he expects that if he brings this respect for the game to the game, the game will respect him back. And it's thus far like not proving to be true. Uh, mm. Like that right there is showing that he, and this is partly because he's he's a clone, I think. Like he was in a way bred to be a part of a working system. And so there's a great irony to the fact that he becomes this like lone ranger when he's like, quite genetically the opposite of that and so i know that like a lot of his thinking has certainly graduated beyond his original cloning computations but um it is kind of funny that we're i don't know if you've ever picked up on that uh dichotomy but i guess i'm just kind of realizing it now like that he is really quite the opposite of a clone spiritually yeah Ab absolutely yeah. i mean he is this lone ranger but we are starting to to see a lot more that maybe that's not the case he thinks about his father constantly yes uh and he was resentful of the notion of being called a clone in the mandalorian and so there are some interesting notions like it really stood out to me uh when mokshay's mentioned um the the notion of running a family yes and yes, that's that's a mafiosa term, but at the same time, all of the rumors around, um, or I guess not not necessarily rumors, but evidence, I should say, uh, around that being part of this story make a lot of sense with his daughter in Legends uh, almost seeming to appear like pretty damn accurate to the like comic adaptation in one of the trailers. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a decent chance that he may have an estranged daughter that it could appear in this show. Uh, and we learned about the fact that he has not just uh, like millions of clone brothers, 
but he has a genetic identical twin sister. Uh, and so the twins, uh, what we're referring to here, these two twins of Tatooine, where have we heard that before? There's twin sons, there's yep. twins, Luke and Leia. Yep. There's these twin uh, huts. Well, Boba's got a twin and we haven't brought that up yet. Right. And so it seems to be all these things pointing around that, but not necessarily the, the compass hasn't directly landed on it yet for this story. And, and I'm kind of waiting for Boba's family arc to, to kind of be revealed. I think they're play. I think they're placing a lot of really solid stones for that to be something that also maybe influences morality. Something I struggled with in this second episode was the pacing it, on in one aspect. I just found a lot of the action scenes in particular, the train scene too long. I didn't think this episode needed to be 52 minutes. I thought it was a little, a little bloated, but also the way it was divided up in like main timeline and flashback timeline without any skipping around. It was very confusing that like the first half of the episode is uh, crime Lord Boba. And then he gets into the back to tank and looks like Joe Rogan, by the way. And then the second half of the episode is flashback Boba Fett. And it took so long to get there that I kind of wondered, wait a second, are we not doing any more flashbacks? And so I kind of found it very strange that we had like two mini episodes in this one greater episode. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Uh, I'm, I'm going to disagree on personal taste on pacing. I liked it. Okay. Um, I, I can maybe agree that, yeah, you could shave maybe like two minutes out of that train sequence, three minutes, and, and I'm okay with that. But as an overall, I thought the pacing was really good, and I, and I, I, I really love this episode. I do 100% think these should have been both released, though, in the same week. Yeah, probably. I think, I think that there's a lot more punch that's packed uh, with the two of them, and I think these kind of flashing back and forth between timelines – um, I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure how it makes the most sense because when you've got such a long flashback, it's a little weird. Like on the next few episodes, are there going to be like, I'd say this episode, I, I honestly, I didn't check, but I'd say it's, let's say it's 60% or 55% flashback. Yeah. And the previous episode was, I don't know, maybe 50, 50. So it, it's, it's, it's right around that mark, but if the next few episodes are like 30% flashback or less, I think those can maybe be kind of splintered in, mm -hmm. but it feels a little weird to do it in like this big chunked way. I can kind of understand why they do it. If this is the longest flashback they're going to have, but if not, then it is going to be kind of confusing. But then again, there is the issue of, it seems to be purely back to tank related. Yes. Yeah, that's right. It's all the dreams. Problem, but the problem with that is he's not going to be going into the back tank three times an episode. No. And so if they're going to keep up with that as the consistent angle and he's not starting to get maybe like hallucinations in other ways, then I foresee it being singular uh, moving forward just because it makes way more sense unless you start the episode with the flashback and then you can do a one other one so you can get two that way. Another reason it would have been good to release this along with the pilot at the same time is all the fan service in this episode. How psyched were you to finally see Huts? Uh, so incredibly psyched. Yeah, of course. Like absolutely thrilled. Uh, I was, I'll admit, they don't look like most people have complimented that they look pretty good. They're a little uh, CGI they, for me. I was kind of hoping they'd be a practical effect like original Jabba or, or Return yeah, of the Jedi. Yeah, and they do look pretty good but yeah. they don't look great right uh and they do look 
2000. Like they, they feel like they could have been made where Lucas still owned Star Wars. I agree. Uh, and, I, and I don't really expect that from the show with them needing to be carried. I get why they need they can't be practical. Uh, but under those circumstances, I don't know, find a way to practical it up a little bit. I, I don't I don't know how they could have made it uh, any different. Um, they could have I'd done rather it. see huts than not. I mean, there aren't enough people, there aren't enough pallbearers or whatever you'd want to call them anyway. So like, there's notice there's only like 12 guys holding like, what, 4,000 pounds of huts? I, I'm pretty well, sure- Well, that's they... actually one of my trivia questions. Oh, okay. how many guys there were? How many uh, guys are holding up uh, the, uh, the, the twins. twins? You know what? I bet it's more than 12. I'll go 16. Boom! Hey, I did it. You did it. Six on either side, two in the front, two in the back. It's still far too few for what I assume has to be thousands of pounds. <laughs> well, I think it was seven guys inside the original Jabba the Hutt. Right. I've heard that before. Yeah. So it's, uh, or at least seven guys, not necessarily seven guys inside, but seven guys to operate. So probably a couple guys inside and then a couple guys on the outside operating limbs and whatnot. They both have interesting face tattoos, these huts, which I yes. think is cool. Yeah, there's uh or I'm not sure if the the sister has a tattoo, but they both have kind of like a pendant, like a, or oh, like okay. a piercing, like a like a chin piercing. Right. Um, and then the the brother seems to have a tattoo around that as well. And notably, uh, they're, they're cool design. They're Jabba's cousins. Yes. Yeah, they seem to be, and I'm not sure if they're um, one organism or oh. two. I don't think they're. I didn't hadn't thought of that. They they didn't look like Siamese twins. No, they did actually, in, in my opinion. Okay. Like e either the sister is sitting on the brother's extreme excess of fat. Yeah. Or she grows out of him. Mm. Oh, that would I think, be so gross. I think that's actually what it is. Though, I kind of like that, not. honestly. I think that's cool. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure huts are like hermaphroditic, and so. I like, I think they, and I think they can just, um, I don't know if that like, or asexual or, or, or one of those, uh, capabilities that they're able to, I know, uh, reproduce on their own, okay. I believe. All right. Uh, and so there also could be some weird kind of offshoot there, but I don't need to know too much about, um, <laughs> the reproduction of huts. I'm yeah. going to keep that bit of star Wars trivia a little far away. That's fair. Now their bodyguard is the coolest Wookiee I've seen since Chewbacca, the original. He's yes. so friggin' cool. Now, do you know anything about this Wookiee? No. So this Wookiee is Black Kersantan. Uh, and so this Wookiee is a wonderful piece of fan service because you just think this is a cool-ass Wookiee and there's no other reason to not think that. And it's not going to make any other difference because guess what? This is a cool ass Wookiee. Yeah. This is one of the, this is the scariest Wookiee in, in the galaxy far, far away. No kidding. Uh, he has worked alongside Boba Fett. They know each other. Oh, okay. uh, they know each other quite well. Uh, he's worked uh, alongside Dr. Afra. Uh, and so those are um, really the only story arcs that I know uh, Black or Santon from. Uh, I believe he's been in the Vader arc. So I think he's worked for Vader as well. Uh, but one of the most fearsome bounty hunters and uh, predators in the galaxy uh, is working for the twins. And so that is uh, that is showing up with some stuff that is bringing a heavy to the fight. Oh, yeah.
And so if he and Boba know each other, was there any kind of like knowing glance, any kind of indication that they have a history in this episode that I might have missed? Uh, not necessarily. There's that really, uh, it's a great line. Let me uh, let me say, you can bring as many gladiators as you wish, but these are not the pits of Durr and, not, and, I'm, and I am not a sleeping Trandoshan guard. And so that can be referring to maybe uh, an inside between the two of them. Um, whereas maybe that's an inside joke that, Black Chrysanthemum is supposed to understand right. that, like, yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter that you're here. Uh, I don't care that you're this big showboating warrior. Uh, and so I, I think that's kind of the way it, it, they're going about it. Um, and it's also a little bit of game recognizes game, too. Okay, we've worked together, and I, I don't remember, but my guess is Boba was the one in charge. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think there's going to be, uh, I don't think he's too afraid in that regard. And he even says like, you're going to have to kill me. So <laughs> good luck. Now, the other bit of, uh, OT fan service in this episode is we almost get to see a rancor and I was pretty excited. And then at the same time, as disappointed as I was to not see a rancor, it was a funny move. It was a funny power play. It was a good scene. Yeah, I was okay with it. It, it didn't like uh, it didn't fully land with me. Some of the dialogue beforehand was was good, but some of it at the same time was a little odd. Like I really like Fennec's line, "Overpriced, you're paying for the name." Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really quite good. Uh, but over other than that, I thought it was a, a little clunky. But I was also potentially waiting for one of the other rancors because we find out that Jabba has multiple rancors yeah. uh, through the Bad Batch. And so I thought that was going to be like a cool little reveal. There was going to be another one of his rancors. But it does make sense that Bib wouldn't have been able to hold on to any of Jabba's rancors because he's a bloody moron. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that bit was cool. I, that's not actually what I thought you were going to say is the other piece of original trilogy element. Uh, and so this is another thing that you, you, you may not have picked up on. And this is for the hardest core of nerds. Uh, and the thing that made me originally clue into what it was, was, uh, was, was, was Cammy. And so that's a character that I only know because I adore watching all of the little nooks and crannies and deleted scenes of everything from Star Wars 2. And so Cammy and Fixer, uh, I wouldn't have recognized Fixer because the casting was pretty good though. I've gone back and, and, and looked. So Cammy and Fixer are Luke's, friends we're talking about tashi station at tashi station in the deleted scenes in a new hope and these are the two characters who are in tashi station that the nikto gang is inside that boba goes and kicks everybody's asses those two people who are just there and cowering are kami and fixer that's amazing and so I, i i the only way i recognized it uh was because of her hairstyle and I was like, oh, my God, that's absolutely Cammy. And so the, the fixer, I, I looked at that. And then apparently uh, some people had caught a glimpse of this in the trailers as well in the Tashi Station. And they, they aligned it up. And so it's 100% Tashi Station. Uh, and I think that that is like that is a really cool little bit of fan yeah. service that doesn't impact it for anybody else. Didn't no. matter to you that these were characters that existed but it made the scene a million times cooler for me. Well, it actually makes it, I mean, it makes it a lot cooler for everyone now that you've shared it with the class because mm. frankly, I found him in particular like kind of lame and I was like, why these people? And why are they mm. people? Normally it would be aliens. And so like, now that you've given that background, it makes a lot of sense that they that they chose to do this. And I, I greatly appreciate it. So it's obviously different actors cast, right? 
Yes, but the casting is great. Yeah. Uh, in particular, Cammy, And she she makes fun of Luke, uh, like, hardcore. So she's pretty memorable in the deleted scene. She's an asshole to yeah. him. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, uh, it's a really cool kind of thing to bring back. And I think that it's... Uh, it, having an episode of Star Wars television done in live action where a comic book character and a character from the deleted scenes of a new hope are all blended together. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That is a cool star Wars smoothie. Well, I am going to drink that up. And this is the perfect, you know, very flavorful little bit of fan service involving an oft quoted star Wars line that really wasn't meant to have that much, uh, consequence on the overall series and and when i reference i was going to go to tashi station to pick up some power converters i'm also indirectly referencing uh the castle run line which should not have been turned into a whole feature film like if you could just find a way to like dip it into some like b plot in an episode about somebody else entirely people are going to be so gratified and they're not going to be like exhausted by you constantly trying to please them couldn't agree more and the fact that Tashi Station appears as an unnamed location uh, that is very qu like quick. Like nothing happens in it that is not at a million percent fast forward. I didn't know that just... it was Tashi Station until your recap. Oh, yeah, and like who who would know that? Right. You know, it's not something where that I, I clued in that it was Tashi Station un until doing like the the full realization of oh my god, what the hell's going on uh, with the characters? But that's just goes to like it doesn't need to be for the people who don't know but for the people who do that's great and that go and that's what dave filoni is there for uh, but i think you see uh well this one was also it was uh directed by steph green who yeah. i didn't look into but i don't know anything about steph green at all no um and so that was uh also kind of cool to see the fact like it, it, it had such a like uh a Robert Rodriguez vibe to it. Yes. I really assumed it was going to be one of the runs directed by him. Um, so I was surprised to see that that at the end. But uh, you can definitely see his his flavor on the episode as well. Did John Favreau write all the scripts for this? I find it interesting that he seems to be like the sole creator of the show. Um, I don't think so. Um, I don't know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bet no. He write he seems to write most of them, but my guess is we're gonna see a script or two from uh, Rodriguez or Filoni as the season goes on. Filoni's name is, is not all over this show the way it normally is on stuff. Uh, no, my guess is he's spending most of his time working on Ahsoka at the yeah. moment, and that's probably why, um, because he'll be the Robert Rodriguez and the Filoni on Ahsoka mm -hmm. uh, and Favreau to a degree. Um, he'll obviously want Favreau to be involved uh, to to help shepherd him a little bit, but uh, that's one that, boy, am I excited for too. So we got a mayor reveal. We talked about that last week, assuming that was probably gonna come up pretty soon. Do you know anything about this guy, about this species? What are your first instincts? Uh, it's an Athorian, uh, that's the species. It's executed so well. Yeah, I it thought so just, too. It's so cool, the deep, like, murmuring voice, and then this really cool translator device. I love that. With, like a mouth on the side of his head, and it's got this, like, yeah. box on it that's translating what he's saying in real time. 
it's really cool. And I'm pretty sure it's Robert Rodriguez who does the voice of nice. the mayor. Cool. Uh, but it's so sinister mm-hmm. with how calm and uh, it's absolutely your uh, come to me. Well, like, it, like it's, it's very, very um, obscure mobster voice sure. that only like only adds to the intimidating factor. Uh, we talked recently about the, the movie um, Don't Look Up. Uh, and that's a movie that I personally absolutely hated. Uh, <laughs> but I will admit that in particular, Mark Rylance delivered an incredibly sinister performance. Oh, it was upsetting. It was chilling. It, absolutely. But it's just this really calm performance. And there's something that's really impressive when you can deliver sinister in a calming way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I think was delivered extremely well with this Mokshay's character. And so I'm excited to see more of him. I'm, I would put so much money on this character dying. It's ridiculous. Oh, sure. Um, it seems like the most killable. It, like you are you are the Dryden Voss of this series, yes. almost like a slam dunk, I'm assuming. There's definitely someone you report to um, even above the twins. Uh, and I'm sure the twins are working with somebody else. Uh, and so my guess is, and I'm sure that Mokshay's is in cahoots with the twins. That's my, my assumption is the reason as to why he's not playing ball with Boba, but at the same time said, oh, I didn't hire them. But at the same time, the Nightwind character was quite confident that the mayor indeed did hire him. So I, I believe that Mokshay's is working with the twins and that all of them are probably working for somebody a little bit higher up too. Yeah, what is the Nightwind gang? Do we know anything about them? They're just like a third-party gang that was hired to ambush Boba. I think they're new to canon. I didn't check though. Uh, I've never heard of them, um, but I think they're new to canon. Not uh, Crimson Dawn, me... as as we. Yeah, wondered. but let me check that just to see because the uniform is um, similar. Yeah. Uh, Order of the Nightwind. Uh, no, just Book of Boba Fett. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So another little, little grassroots bad guy organization to track. Yep. And a little bit more in Phoenix kind of territory, assassins, yeah. not bounty hunters per se. And so I think that's a bit of an, an interesting distinction that they sometimes seem to make between the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like we're getting set up for, well, this episode is called in particular, the tribes of Tatooine. Yes, I think we're going to be the next episode. My guess is you could call it the gangs of Tatooine. I think we're going to start seeing formations, whereas in the trailer, uh, that scene where Boba is doing the offering to the Trandoshans and um, like the Aqualish and all the other kind of species that were part of like you were all, I think, lieutenants for Jabba. I think that's what's said in the trailer. Uh, that my guess is will happen in the next episode yeah. as he's trying to build people who can be loyal to him, who are higher scale criminals than uh, who those who maybe were working with Bib Fortuna because he doesn't have a crew. It's no. just him, Fennec, and 88. And no, and by the way, it. Fennec had a pretty low yield episode too. She didn't really have a whole lot to do in this one. I find it interesting that they're building out mm. the ensemble by just like recurring these other like local characters who don't necessarily have to be allies of Boba. And so we saw the madam again and we saw the, the mayor's major domo again. And these people who are apparently yeah. going to be series regulars, even though they don't need to be a part of his merry band. Well, there's a, a poster for Garza. So she's definitely going to be 
and I don't know what Jennifer Beals has been in, but she's a, a notable actress. Yeah. And so um, that will be like, I'm, I'm assuming she will like, we already know she's not that reliable of a character, right. but my guess is she will further set booby traps for Boba Fett. As the series goes on, she will walk him to, uh, a slaughtering situation at some point, my guess is. Is Tatooine the homeland of the Twi'leks? Because there are a lot of Twi'leks. No, their homeland is Ryloth. Uh, and so uh, they would go to Tatooine because uh, Ryloth was heavily, heavily just taken over by the Empire. Uh, Twi'leks are, for some reason, the most enslaved species. Mm. And also slavery is such a high... Um, commodity trade business yeah. on Tatooine that a lot of them end up there. And so I think that's part of the, part of the reason is the fact that just a lot of Twi'leks because they become slaves are sold to Tatooine because that's where a lot of the slave owners are. I do owe this episode overall a second viewing fairly soon because about halfway through, I got very, very grumpy when I picked up my dinner to eat it off my lap and I spilled the entire thing all over myself, like all, oh. all over my white sweater, all over my jeans uh, all over my couch, just like rice and sauce and tofu, like absolutely everywhere. I had to pause and it like burned my crotch for a second. I'm sorry if that's TMI, but it was just like in the middle of watching Book of Boba Fett, uh, this awful disruption happened. And then for the next like 15 minutes, I was like, this is too long. I want it to be over. <laughs> it was just like <laughs> shoveling rice mean. into my face. It just, it was, it was really bad vibes during my first viewing of this episode. So I owe it a second view. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. That is that is an easy way to ruin something uh, if you have an extra ex external frustration get in the way. So. That's right. Any other thoughts about this? Any other like observations or I don't know, if you must quiz me, you can, I suppose. Well, to be honest, uh, the trivia that I was going to ask, uh, one of them was what distinguishes uh, the brother from the sister. We already talked about that yeah. in terms of the tattoos and their uh jeweling penance uh i already asked you my night question of how many members uh were there carrying the twins so that 16. was impressive you got that one and yep. um, oh this is a fun one All right. you uh I, there's a bunch of them i could ask that were in the episode uh, like boba fett tells garza she's sweating like a what oh i don't know i don't even remember that uh, a gumpta on mustafar i thought that was funny okay um <laughs> but what i want you to actually answer is Spell black chrysanthemum. Oh, God. I mean, I can't because it's black like you would. B-L-A-C-K. Chrysanthemum? Yes. Sh sh are there curveballs in here? It starts with a K. Okay. All right. K-R-I-S-A-N-T-O-N. That's a really good guess. And of course, you never were going to get it in the sense that like no. chic is spelled with three Ys. In oh, a row. right. True. Yeah. Um, chrysanthemum. K-R-R-S-A-N-T-A-N. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on in there. I mean, Four vowels it starts with. Did they even Sorry, say, I, they didn't even say his name in this, right? Like similar no. to Tashi Station. I, no. would, I never would have known this. No, no, absolutely not. It was just a, a fun one, like spell Bosco Diliosaur. Yeah, uh, Silent B. Any other... Um, any other dialogue that you wanted to highlight? Because a lot of what's spoken is just spoken to or spoken by boba is like a nitpick of mine that like when he's spending all the time in the flashback with the tuscans who do not understand basic he just keeps talking for our benefit like and i realize that's just kind of what you do in movies it, it, i think that's what people do it. yeah maybe maybe you're right 
if you're in like if you're a stranger in a strange land and you and you you don't know the language you just like do your best to communicate with the language you have even though it's just completely not reading yeah and i mean a lot of times there are words that people can pick up but they're not even speaking in the same sound no, so that's definitely not going to happen no no um I found one of his stray pets. I'm here to return it to its master. I thought it was good. Yeah, that is good. Talking about the, the yeah, the night wind. Yeah, night wind guy. I am not a fool, Mokshais. And those who thought otherwise no longer draw breath. Ooh, I thought that's good. Badass. Yeah. The twins have laid claim to their late cousin's bequest. It's from Garza. Uh, and Boba saying, "All that is his belongs to me now." Yeah, oh, that's a really good line. That's really good. That's powerful. Do we think tomorrow Morrison has the charisma to carry a show? Is he like a, a leading man? It's a tough one. Yeah, uh, because I think he's right on on the line. He does have the charisma. I do think he does have the charisma. Uh, does he have the acting chops? That's, that's kind. That's kind of a, a part of what I'm asking as well. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean. As somebody that is, he he exudes likability. He does. Uh, he has great facial expressions. Um, but at the same time, Pedro Pascal is an incredible actor. Yeah. And even when he's not the one in the suit, they have somebody who is an incredible uh, physical actor. And then they get somebody who's like Pedro Pascal is just a great voice actor too. And so he's able to convey emotion in a different way. Whereas you have, in particular, in this case, Tamora Morrison doing it all. He's trying yes. to do it all at once, and that's hard. Mm -hmm. And it's also hard to pre like get that badassery across too, uh, and like maybe not necessarily focus on the craft of the acting as much. Uh, I think it's, and I think that's okay. I don't think he necessarily needs to be a sensational actor. I think you surround him with the right cast. Uh, and good writing and it can work. Uh, and I don't think you necessarily, and I, I think it, he's carried it well enough in these first episodes that it, it works for me. Well, and also like Robert Rodriguez is used to creating like camp violence. And so if you're looking for Lawrence Olivier, you've come to the wrong show. Uh, yeah. And, and so actually I think he's pulling off the tone of it quite effectively. Um, yeah, it's just something I wanted to gauge. And also he is learning a lot of new things, I think. Like, unless I'm, like, gravely ignorant about his career, he's never been so in the spotlight as this. Plus, he had to, like, trim down and learn a whole new physicality as an actor. And so, like... He looks great. He, he, he looks fabulous. He was shirtless at one point in this episode, and I was like, man, he pulled that off in, like, like mm. record time, too. So I'm impressed. Something that I picked up on in watching these two episodes is that if we go back now and watch... Uh, Empire Strikes Back, I think we're going to find Boba Fett has a really strong Australian accent as compared to Tamora Morrison. No, not anymore. No? Oh, they've replaced it? With him? Yeah, they replaced... Yes, they replaced it with him. Oh, that's badass. I think I knew that, actually. But they, yeah, they used to have a guy who's like <laughs> real strip on the Barbie. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Bullock was the original. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess that's um, that's chapter two. Yeah. Um, oh, there was one other really fun quote uh, when Boba comes and he brings the speeders a gift for you. Whoa, stop, stop. No, no, no. These are mine. These are mine. These are mine. Stop. No, I will teach you how to ride. <laughs> right. And actually, even more so than the train sequence, the montage where he's teaching them to like jump back and forth between speeders. I was like, no, come on. That was too long. It was too long. And I had a, I had a lap full of hot soy sauce. And I was like, no, this is not working for me. <laughs> this is corny. 
Uh, I did really also, I loved uh, him crafting his gaffy stick. I just yes. thought that whole sequence was, was really cool. Uh, and I thought the way to the end of the episode happened with that, uh, that ritual, I just thought as an overall, yep. it showed the way that they embraced him. Uh, and I thought it was, it was a powerful ending to the episode. Robing uh, up was in... really cool too. When they gave him like the black cloak. Yeah. What, what are all your thoughts on, on like the lizard up the nose and like wandering into the desert to have an epiphany? Like, obviously that was like spiritually metaphoric and it was supposed to speak to us like, or not speak directly to us, but it was supposed to like symbolize something from our world as well. But like, that's an interesting path for this character. I thought it was super weird in yep. a super great way. It was effective. I thought it was yeah. perfectly Star Wars. I thought it was the kind of thing that people, if that happened in the sequel trilogy, people would bitch and moan about. But at the same time, it's the kind of thing I could 100% have seen happening to Luke on Dagobah. Yeah. Uh, it, Hell yeah. The, the, it just, it seems so incredibly Star Wars to me. Uh, and the fact that it gives him this weird vision quest, uh, I thought it was really great. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Can okay. you hear the gust of wind? No, a wind in, uh, out your window? Yeah. It's like, it is crazy loud. I just assumed it could be picked up on the mic because it's no. so bloody loud. Nope. You're all good. Should I read some birthdays? Yeah, read off some birthdays. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to read the whole month of December because it was a big month and we have a few that are pertinent to our particular uh, conversation right now. Uh, on Wednesday, December the 1st, a happy birthday to Riz Ahmed. A week later, December 8th, happy birthday to Dominic Monaghan. Friday, September, uh, or rather December 17th, Ryan Johnson, a Star Wars director, had a birthday. Uh, on Sunday, December 19th, Jennifer Beals, who is the the Madame Garza from, from Book of Boba Fett. So she's on my calendar now and a happy birthday to her. On Tuesday, December 21st, Samuel L. Jackson had a birthday. Thursday, December 23rd, David Pasquizi, who's the major domo from uh, Book of Boba Fett. We got a couple of Book of Boba Fett birthdays. Nice, you're adding these people in right away. Good. Yeah, of course. On Sunday, December 26th, Tamara Morrison had a birthday. <laughs> so I'm, re I'm really sorry that I neglected to say that one when we recorded on Box Boxing Day last week because like... <laughs> It was his it was birthday. Like two days after. <laughs> yeah. And on Wednesday, December 29th, a happy birthday to Diego Luna, who is going to be uh, seen yet again here in 2022. We're in a new year. Yeah. yeah. We are likely to see him in the fall, uh, Q3 timeframe. So that is that is very, very exciting. Uh, nothing else uh, really in the news, though. Uh, it's Everything is focused on all eyes are on Book of Boba Fett. That's right. Uh, I think it... Uh, I didn't see ratings wise uh, other than that it did, I think, 14% better than the Hawkeye uh, premiere. So the pilot, I don't did, know what yeah. It, yeah, the pilot. Yeah. So I don't know the comparison versus Mando. My guess is it's it's probably a good amount lower, but my guess is not a crazy amount. Right. Uh, and uh, I hope it sustains. I, I, I hope uh, there's a, a good return from one to two. Well, it's just really different because there were like four Marvel pilots on Disney Plus in one calendar year. And there are two Disney pilots, I mean, live action, like like main stage Disney pilots in three years on Disney Plus. And so, mm. yeah, it's just like the economics of it do, are not comparable. Um, hopefully things hold up and it continues to get uh, juicier as we go. We want to hear all your thoughts on chapter two of the Book of Boba Fett. It's called The Tribes of Tatooine. You can tweet us at Recorder66 or email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to be caught up with us by next week, watch chapter three, which comes out next Wednesday. Um, please rate and review on your preferred podcast app. And if you're joining us on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. And until we are together again, 
May the Force be with you.